I'm going to try to make you promise that I'm going to try not to cough today as I preach to you. Last week I did, and my kids told me that if I coughed again, uh, that everybody believed I'd had COVID-19. But I can assure you, I'm just battling with allergies, and hopefully that won't happen this week. But, but here's what I know. It's very good for us to be celebrating Easter week. We will begin today by looking at Palm Sunday, but we are also excited about our Good Friday service, and then, of course, Easter morning service next Sunday. I know we'll be celebrating online, and it's a little different, but let's still celebrate our reason for hope and joy. I want to encourage you, as Sean Ori has, to experience our Good Friday together with us at 7 p.m. Uh, that's going to be an exciting service, I believe. It's going to lead right into Easter morning uh, service. Now, if you can't join us right at 7, that's okay. It'll be available after that. You can watch it later on Friday night or Saturday morning. But if you could join with us at 7, how awesome it would be to know our church family is celebrating Good Friday together. Now, this morning as we begin, though, I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. On the Christian calendar today is what is called Palm Sunday, and it's really the beginning of the events of the Easter week. As we read about the life of Jesus in the Bible, here's what we know, that the last week of Jesus' life was packed with so many important and meaningful events. It was during this week of Jesus' life where we see the beginning of the Lord's Supper as we celebrate it. We can also see where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And many other important moments in Jesus' life happen, including his arrest, his death, and his resurrection. But the week begins with these simple words in Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And it says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering it you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If you, anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. Now, as we read these verses, the first thing we're gonna see this morning is that Jesus was a man on a mission. I mean, Jesus had been to Jerusalem many times before, but this time was different. This time Jesus is on a mission in a way he hadn't been before. As he approached Jerusalem, we can know that the city was full of people during this time because it was the time of the Passover celebration. Therefore, the number of people in Jerusalem may have been even six times or more than the normal amount. It was an exciting time for the Jews because celebrating the Passover was always a celebratory time for the Jewish people as a whole. Now, on the other hand, it was a tense time for the Roman officials and even the Jewish leaders. There was tension between the average Jewish citizen and those in power. And let's even consider why that tension existed. You know, in, in, in our current crisis these days, we seem a little perturbed at times because our leaders are telling us to stay at home. We feel a little trapped in our homes. But here's a couple of things that we know. We are really doing our part to help our community. We are not under house arrest and we, what we know is that our government is doing things to try to protect us and to save lives. In Jesus' day, the Romans actually occupied the Jewish territory, and the Jews were really prisoners in their own land. Though they were in their homeland, the Romans called the shots, and there was a serious price to pay should one not obey. The Romans would have been tense during the Passover because the Passover celebrated God delivering his people from Egyptian bondage, and it looked forward to a day when God's Messiah would come to deliver his people. 
Therefore, the Romans were on high alert during the Passover because they were concerned about, uh, about the rebellion that could happen and that the Jews would somehow act to fight for their freedom. Consequently, the Jewish leaders were nervous because, in a way, I mean, they had a good thing going with the Romans. The Romans allowed the Jews to continue to practice their religion as long as they didn't make any waves. In fact, the priest at this time was really Caesar's puppet priest, almost an extension of the Roman authority. Therefore, the religious leaders didn't want the people to cause any issues that might threaten their comfortable position. Maybe you begin to understand why Jesus was such an issue in his day. Why, why though the crowds loved him, the religious leaders hated him. John the Baptist had already proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah to come, and Jesus himself had performed many miracles to prove his power. He also talked much about the kingdom of God. And even in the Lord's Prayer, if you remember, Jesus prayed to God the Father by saying, your kingdom come. Jesus proclaimed and lived with this expectation that God's kingdom, that God's reign was on the horizon. There was most certainly some expectation that Jesus was the long-awaited king of the Jews. And so now we see Jesus approach Jerusalem and tell his disciples, go get a colt. And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, you tell them the Lord has need of it. In other words, he was declaring to them, I have a mission that must be accomplished. Now, before I move on, let me make a quick point. For some of you, you know this, you know what Jesus was heading to do. You know that Jesus was heading to Jerusalem to die. He is headed there to give his life as a ransom for the sin of mankind. Now, one thing I appreciate here about Jesus is that he didn't shrink away from his mission. The humanity in Jesus surely wanted self-preservation, but that didn't keep Jesus from moving forward in his mission and moving forward with that mission with conviction. He was ready to go do what was necessary for God's will to be done. Now, my prayer for everyone listening today is this is that when God shows you the mission that he has for you, that you would pursue that mission with conviction, that you wouldn't shrink away, but you would pursue that mission even if you know that difficulty stands in a way. That mission might be to share Jesus with a friend who needs hope. It might be going on a mission trip around the world. It might be helping the homeless in our community. It might be ministering to those in crisis. It might be counseling those with questions. It may be ministering to the sick during a pandemic. God's mission for you will be specific to your calling on your life, but I pray today that whatever it is, that you will pursue it with all your heart, that you will be a man, that you will be a woman on mission for God, that you will follow the example that Jesus set. Now, as we continue reading, we will also see that Jesus was not only a man on a mission, but he, Jesus was also a king with a purpose. We saw where Jesus told his disciples to go and get a colt for him. So let's continue reading and see what happens next in verse 32. It says, those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. You see, the disciples did what Jesus asked them to do. They found the colt. They was asked a question about what they were doing, answered by saying that the Lord has need of it, and then they brought the colt to Jesus. Now, once they get the colt there, it says the disciples throw their cloaks on the colt. They set Jesus on it, and they begin to enter Jerusalem with some of them even spreading their cloaks on the road before him. 
Now, in John chapter 12, this entry is described this way, which actually gives us the name Palm Sunday. It says, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now, maybe a question comes to mind as, what is so significant about Jesus riding a colt into Jerusalem? What is so important about them spreading their cloaks on the road or, or even the people waving palm branches? Well, we can answer that in part as we see in the response of the people at the end of John 12, 13, where they say, even the king of Israel. As Jesus rides in on this colt, we are to see the image of a king. We can go back to the Old Testament and see where this image comes from. In 1 Kings 1.33, we see where David has Solomon placed on his mule so that he can ride down to Gihon to be anointed as the king of Israel. We can also go back and look and see that the laying of garments on animals and then on the road and the waving or the spreading of branches were all part of a traditional Jewish reception for royalty. So what is happening here is very clear, that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem as the king of the Jews. Now, we must also, however, remember what we are told in Matthew 21. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Matthew made it very clear that what was happening here was also the fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus was fulfilling a promise of God. This fulfillment of scripture is really what shows us the purpose of King Jesus. In fact, think for a moment what most kings do. They fight for power. They conquer others and make them subject to them. In fact, that is what made attention so high in Jerusalem. As the Roman king Pontius Pilate was charged with keeping the Jews under Roman control, he, he wanted to make sure that instigators would be, be put to death if necessary to keep the peace and make sure that the Romans could rule. But let me ask you, is that the purpose of King Jesus? Was he a king fighting for earthly power? Was he a king fighting for people to beat his subjects? Well, let's go back to the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. That prophecy that Matthew spoke about was found in Zechariah 9, 9. So look at what it says. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout loudly, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having a salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, the purpose of Jesus as king was twofold. He was bringing righteousness and salvation. This purpose of Jesus makes him much different than other kings. Most kings don't care much about righteousness. They simply care about their own advancement. Most kings think right is being what is being right for them. But Jesus, he is about righteousness. He is about doing what is right. He is about making things right, which ultimately means he came as king to bring salvation. Now, I, I don't know about you, but in a world where I'm always wondering, did I get treated right? It's good to know that there is one who is righteous. I, I know when I look at our government and our leaders, I'm always wondering, are, are they doing what is right for the people or, or what, are they doing what's right for them? And, and it doesn't matter which party they attach to their name. So it's good to know that there's one who is righteous. In fact, even when I look at my own life, there are times that I question, can, can I trust myself? Because I'm wondering sometimes, am I really doing what's right or am I only doing what's good for me? 
Again, I do know I can't trust myself always, but here's what I, it's good to know, that there is one who is righteous. You know, when we look at Jesus and see the purpose of him as king, no doubt displaying righteousness is a big part of what Jesus did and still does. In fact, as we consider what his righteousness looks like, I love the way his righteousness was foretold in Isaiah 11, where we read this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And his delight, look at this, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins." You know, as I read those verses, I gain every confidence that in Jesus, I will be treated right. And before we leave this, let me remind you that if you are a person who follows King Jesus, then you too should be a person who displays righteousness. You should be following the lead of your king. Your delight should be in the fear of the Lord. And any judgment you make should be guided by his righteousness and not necessarily what you see or hear around you. I am thankful that as a king with a purpose, Jesus brought righteousness and can lead me in righteousness. But let's not forget the second thing mentioned in Zechariah, salvation. For the greatest purpose of King Jesus was to bring a salvation. You see, there's no doubt that as Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, that the crowd of Jewish people who cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, was really looking for Jesus to be a political king. The people were hopeful that Jesus would make Israel great again and would depose the Roman rule. You see, their view of Jesus was a view that we often share and one that is very shallow and living for the moment. What the people had so easily forgotten is this, that no political leader has ever fully delivered. All political leaders fail to keep every promise they make or fail to rule without making mistakes. Even in our current times, we are looking for leaders to lead us well to lead us through the pandemic and then the economic crisis that will follow. What every person should be doing right now is praying that our leaders both locally and nationally would be leading well. Even if that leader is a different party than you prefer, you should be praying for them. Now, before I I go on, I'm gonna go ahead and make a prediction though, that when it is all said and done, there will be much criticism of our leaders. Some of that will come from political bias, But honestly, there will be criticism deserved. I'm not saying that to cause division. I'm saying that to acknowledge a reality that no political leader is perfect. So even as this crowd that they celebrated Jesus, wanting him to be a political leader rising to prominence, they were looking for the wrong thing. And Jesus knew when he rode into Jerusalem as king that he was coming as a different king. He wasn't coming to rule and reign on an earthly throne. He was coming to rule in the hearts and the lives of people. What Jesus knew was he was coming that day to bring salvation and not salvation from an invading political force, but coming to bring salvation from sin. For that, folks, is what we really need saving from. 
It is sin that brings division in our homes. It is sin that brings division in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our government. It is sin that brings brokenness to our finances, to our relationships, to our dreams, to our spirits. It is sin that ultimately separates us from the God who created us and loves us and wants to guide us. And what we really need to be saved from is sin. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day as a king to bring salvation, but a a salvation that would not come by him being placed upon a throne, but by him being placed upon a cross where he would pay the price for mankind's sin. The Bible tells us that our hope lies in repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and committing to live our lives for him. Listen as Paul speaks about the hope that this salvation brings to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. It says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether, whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. You see, the first thing that strikes me in this, that, that, that when I obtain a salvation of King Jesus, that I'm no longer under the wrath of God which of course is what we all deserve because of sin. But Jesus took the wrath of God on the cross for all who put their faith in him. But those verses in 1 Thessalonians 5 also remind us, if you have salvation that Jesus offers, there's a great benefit whether you are awake or asleep. Those are the terms that Paul used to talk about still being alive on this earth, awake, or having experienced death on this earth, asleep. Now, what is the benefit? You get to live with him. You get to live with Jesus. If you know the salvation that Jesus brings, as long as you live on this earth, you are alive with Jesus. It means you are never alone. You, are, you always have someone there to guide you, to walk with you, even to strengthen you. Let me, let me ask, have you felt lonely in recent days? Social isolation can make you feel that way. I want to remind you, if you are a believer, you are never alone. Jesus is with you. Even if no one else can be around you, Jesus is there. I know for many of our senior adults who are at the highest risk, you probably have many lonely hours. Let me remind you that Jesus is there. But even for others, you're not used to being this isolated. Let this time be a time when you look to Jesus more than ever. Recognize that his presence more fully than ever. But no matter who you are, know this, that if you are a believer, no matter what tomorrow brings, you have the ultimate promise that you have an eternity waiting in the presence of Jesus, the King. That hope should encourage you. That hope should give you a measure of strength. That that, that, that hope should, again, provide you hope during this difficult time. Because even if life on this earth, as you know it, ends today or if it ends tomorrow, you have a glorious future awaiting. Why? Because Jesus as king with a purpose came to bring salvation that lasts for all eternity. Now, as we recognize the purposes for which Jesus came, it should make sense then this, that Jesus is the Lord who deserves praise. Let's go back again to Luke 19 and continue to read some more. Beginning back in verse 37, it says, And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teach or rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now, here we see the crowds praising Jesus, even if they were misguided. No doubt he deserved praise. 
But we see then the Pharisees come to Jesus and tell him to stop his disciples from singing his praises. Let's remember in part, they were worried about themselves. They didn't want to jeopardize their position with the Romans. So they wanted Jesus to stop his disciples so there wouldn't be any actions by the Romans to stop an apparent rebellion. Might I make a simple observation though to say this? What the Pharisees were doing here is what we often do. They were trying to substitute their own praise for the praise of Jesus. In other words, they were more concerned about their self-promotion than they were about following Jesus and giving him the praise he deserved. Isn't that what many do today? I know in my own life when I fail to worship Jesus as I should, it is often due to my own self-preservation. It is for the promotion of my agenda. You see, I'm going to look at these Pharisees. I'm going to criticize them and say, how could they have been so foolish? And I I, want to stop them and say, why would you tell Jesus to be quiet? But then as I think about it, I have to stop and say, that's me. I really do the same. And here's my guess is you do the same as well. But what we need to understand is this, is that Jesus is worthy of our praise. He is worthy for what we just looked at, the fact that he brought us salvation. But can I say this for a moment? Jesus was worthy of praise before he died for our sins. Now, don't hear me wrong. There is no doubt that Jesus deserves our praise above all for giving us life, giving his life as a sacrifice for our sins. In fact, it says this in Philippians 2. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the turning point for us. It provided the opportunity for us to be forgiven. And someday it says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, unfortunately, some of that confession will not be from those who are benefiting from his salvation. But what you should know is this, though we should praise Jesus for what he did on the cross, that that, that, that Jesus, listen, deserved praise much before that. And why? Because he is Lord and has always been. Colossians 1 even tells us this, that he, this being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This passage in Colossians reminds us that Jesus is the one who first created all things and is now holding all things together. The fact that I have breath today tells me that Jesus is worthy of praise. The fact that I had food today tells me that Jesus is worthy of praise. The fact that I can speak today tells me that Jesus is worthy of praise. I can never exhaust the reasons that make Jesus worthy of praise. And like Jesus says, if I didn't praise him, the rocks will. Everything is called to give praise to the Lord. Isaiah 55 even says this, the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And then Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, Jesus is the Lord who deserves praise. And I hope today that you are praising him because creation already is. We should all join in and sing the praises of Jesus, our king. Which really brings me to the last point, which is simply this. Jesus is the savior you should decide to follow. 
If we had more time today, we could look at Luke 19 and see more important things. The Luke, Luke started this chapter with the story of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector who chose to follow Jesus and turn from doing wrong in order to do what is right. That is followed by the story of the servants whom the master left in charge by giving them minus to do business with while he was gone. Some chose to be faithful, some chose to not. Then we read about his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which is followed by Jesus weeping over Jerusalem because the people did not recognize what God was doing. And then the chapter closes with the cleansing of the temple where we see even God's house was being used wrongly. People were choosing to exploit others in God's house rather than it being a house of prayer. What we see in all of these things is this. There is a choice. There is a choice to follow Jesus or not. The reality is that Jesus deserves to be the king of your life. Jesus came and fulfilled a mission that only he could accomplish, being the king who died to bring salvation to mankind. But another thing that is different about King Jesus than saying an earthly king is this. He doesn't demand his way. Whether you follow him or not is your choice. But to choose him is to choose forgiveness of sin. To choose him is to choose one who will walk with you through all of life. To choose him is actually to choose one who will change your life. To choose him is to let him have control and let him reign so that you will do his will. To choose him is to know that eternal life is yours. To choose him is to choose perfect peace and joy. On this Palm Sunday, I'm going to close by asking you, will you choose to recognize Jesus as your king? Will you choose today to give Jesus the praise he deserves? For some, you need to give your life to Jesus by confessing your sin and placing your faith in Jesus. He is ready to forgive you. He is ready to give you new life. If you need to do that, you can accept Jesus today by praying to him, confessing your sin, acknowledging what he has done for you by dying on the cross in your place, and then by committing your life to him. There are no magic words to pray, just honest words of prayer to God, confessing what you have done wrong, confessing what he has done that is right, and again, confessing him as your Savior, Lord. God is ready to hear from you. In fact, if you need help, uh, even to share a decision about Jesus Christ or help in giving your life to Jesus Christ, we would like to hear from you. We just ask for you to call or text us at the numbers that you'll see on the screen in a moment or e email any of the staff, and we would be glad to talk with you about how you can give your life to Jesus or how you can even share with us your decision to follow Jesus as Savior. Again, we would love to help you out. Now, if today, though, you are already a believer, my prayer for you is that you would continue to give Jesus the praise that he deserves and live in the comfort of knowing that King Jesus is on his throne. That, that, that you right now, that you would live that righteous life that, that displays that you are a follower of the king who is the righteous one. I pray that you would do that today. If you are struggling to live for Jesus, maybe you even need some prayer as you make it through these trying times. We want you to know we're here to help you as well. Whatever your need is, here's my hope, that you will let Jesus be your king because he is a king you can trust. He is the king of righteousness and salvation. He is the king that we all should decide to follow. Today, will you follow King Jesus? I pray today you will make him the king of your heart. Would you pray with me? Father, as we bow into your presence today, we thank you that Lord, that, that, that Jesus has come to be the king and the true king. 
Not a king, again, fighting for his own rights, but one who is willing to lay down his life for us. This one who is really fighting for, for, for us, God. I thank you that Jesus was that kind of king. And I thank you that as he came, Lord, he came and, and conquered the most difficult enemy that we've ever had, the enemy of sin. And that, Father, when he died upon that cross, Lord, giving his life for us, that, God, we know that, 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 that he really earned the right to reign in our lives. And my prayer today is that for all who are listening, that today they would choose to let Jesus be their king. And some today for the first time need to cry out to you, confessing their sin, confessing that Jesus died on the cross from them, believing that he raised from that dead, three, from the grave three days later, and that, that he has the power to forgive them, that they would confess that and Father then invite him in to take control and to forgive him and give them eternal life. I pray for some who need that today that they would do that. Then I pray for all of us who even know you that today we would let you reign in our hearts because, Father, we even believers know that we often let other things reign. Even we, we try to fight, fight to reign in our own lives, to sit on a throne that only Jesus deserves. And so today, may even we who say that you are the king of our lives truly make you the king and let you reign as king and that we would live for you and we would live in righteousness. And that, Father, we would also take salvation to the world, sharing Jesus with those who don't know you. And so, Father, have your way in our life. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the, the ability to follow you. You give us the opportunity to follow you. And I pray today that we would all truly follow you as Jesus, the great and the righteous king, the one who brought salvation. So even now, as we continue to worship, Father, would you bless us in this moment? We know that your spirit is here. Just hear our prayers as we pray out to you and our praises as we lift them to you today. Be honored and glorified in what we give to you today. And we pray you pray these things and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.